0: It appears to me that a great many Christians in America are unprepared to suffer for the cause of Christ. We sometimes act as if that is a, is a hardship that nobody ought to bear. That America is a place where everybody ought to be allowed religious freedom, and there should be no persecution, either governmental or societal. And if there is, that we're going to complain about that and demand our rights and so forth. And I'll be honest, I I very much, very strongly believe that Christians ought to vote. We are citizens just like everybody else. We have as much right to vote for the things we believe in and the people that represent what we believe in as the enemies of Christ who live in America have that same right. And in America, there is freedom of religion, and there's, there's freedom from religion. You don't have to have religion, or you don't have to have the Christian religion, but you have the constitutional right to exercise freedom of conscience in regard to religion. And that's, that's been a protected liberty that we have enjoyed in America ever since the founding of our nation. It's enshrined in our constitution. And we see threats to it, we see mounting threats, as more and more people seem to be determined to take that liberty away from Christians, though somehow they don't seem as eager to take it away from, say, Muslims or others. It's a strange inconsistency, but it's really quite understandable, because the that's that's evidence that Jesus Christ is who he says he is that's evidence that Jesus Christ is lord that Jesus Christ is in fact god the one true god and people who are hostile to god because they aren't willing to turn from their sins and aren't willing to consider the reality of their judgment by god someday and their accountability to him are naturally going to be hostile toward those who represent him in a way that they wouldn't be hostile toward other religions that they don't seem to consider to be a threat. So, yes, I believe that Christians should stand up for our religious liberties and constitutional rights, but I'm also convinced that Christians should be prepared to suffer for the cause of Christ— and to do so without complaining. And that's a fine line, but that's what the Lord himself calls upon us to do. And so we're not surprised, therefore, that the Apostle Paul lists a whole bunch of afflictions that he suffered as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gives those to us in Second Corinthians chapter 6 as a reminder— that Christians are not immune from this kind of suffering. We need to be prepared for it. And so we'll consider some other elements on this list that we have not yet looked at. As we've come to this Friday, January 27, thankful for the liberty to proclaim the Word of God on this radio station, thankful for those of you who have used your Christian liberty to financially support us and keep the proclamation of God's Word going on this station. Well, in verses 4 and 5, Paul lists nine afflictions, nine words that describe the kinds of hardships which he endured. They are, and I'm going to just read them all in one one breath, so to speak, and then we'll go back to them. But tribulations, needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, Sleeplessness, fastings, and I've suggested that there are really three categories here: number one, general pressures, tribulations, needs distresses. We've looked at those number two, imposed hardships that's it that is the kinds of afflictions that other people impose upon the people of God, and that would be stripes, imprisonments, and tumults and We have looked at the first two, and we'll take a look at the third one in just a moment, and then the last three on this list are self-imposed hardships, that is, the kinds of personal sacrifices that those who are serious in their service for Christ are willing to impose upon themselves. And so there are general pressures of tribulations, needs, distresses that come to us. There are the imposed hardships of beatings the stripes, imprisonments, like Paul and like others down through history, and tumults, and that third one that we haven't addressed yet, means mob action. And there are eight instances recorded in Scripture where Paul faced an angry mob, a a mob of people that came for him. And there probably were other occasions that are not recorded because there are a lot of other things that Paul says happened to him that we don't have any details about, no particular record of. He just says, this happened to me. As, for example, a number of shipwrecks, although we only have one, that is recorded for us in the book of Acts. We don't know anything about the others. But at least eight times, Paul faced an angry mob, a, a whole crowd of people that was stirred up into action against him and came at him and would have done him harm, would have would have uh, beaten him, would have hurt him, would have killed him. On, on one occasion, he was stoned and left for dead, as you know in the city of Lystra in Galatia. We haven't faced anything like that. I haven't, have you? I I do know of some in other parts of the world that have faced things like that, angry mobs that have come after them. We really don't know what it means to face hardship for Christ. We are too soft. That's what I've said. I think Americans have become so accustomed to the protected, and I would even say privileged status, that Christians have jo- enjoyed in America, that somehow we become exceedingly indignant if we see that being threatened in any way, as if it ought not to be. Well, actually, that's the norm. The the persecution, the the hostility, the taking away of religious liberty and of the freedom to preach the gospel. That's the norm down through history in most places. We have had such an unusual country of protected freedoms of all kinds, and Christians have certainly been some of the most benefited and protected people in the in the United States of America that we think that's the way, that's the norm, that's the way it ought to be. There shouldn't be any serious hostility. There shouldn't be any serious penalties, any serious um, punishments for being a Christian. But we haven't read our Bible very carefully, and we haven't read church history very carefully. And we'd better get ready for some imposed hardships that other people are, are, are chomping at the bit to direct toward Christians, the stripes, the imprisonments, the tumults. But the third category is what I've called self-imposed hardships, and that's labors, sleeplessness, and fastings. This is the kinds of hardships which Christians impose upon themselves for the cause of Christ. Labors, that means tireless exertion. Serving Christ is not a an easy walk in the park it is hard hard work it is if it's done with with true christian commitment it is tireless exertion and we ought to be willing to do that for the sake of christ labors sleeplessness that refers to long hours of work and weighty burdens which cause sleeplessness sleeplessness another self-imposed hardship Sleeplessness, because we work so many hours, we don't have as much time to sleep as we would like and maybe that our body needs. Now, you can't do that indefinitely, night after night after night, week after week after week, month after month after month. You'll kill yourself. But it should not be thought impossible, unusual unthinkable for God's people to work so hard and so long that they deprive themselves from sleep on some occasions just because of their long hours of labor for the cause of Christ. And then the weighty burdens that Christians bear, and particularly Christian ministers bear, will also cause sleeplessness. I can assure you that there's many a time that I have awakened in the middle of the night before I have finished a good night's sleep with a particular problem, difficulty, pressure, disappointment, concern for someone in the congregation, concern for the welfare of the church upon my heart, and could not sleep because of it. What do you do when, when that happens? I pray. I pray. If, if God wakes me up in the middle of the night with a, the with a burden on my heart, I take it to the Lord in prayer, and I pray until the burden is lifted or until I drop off to sleep I don't think the Lord is insulted if I pray myself to sleep in the middle of the night. But sleeplessness, that's a self-imposed hardship. That Not something that somebody else imposed upon us, but something that we're willing to impose upon ourselves to be good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, in this list of nine, there is fastings, the third self-imposed hardship Number one, labors. Number two, sleeplessness. And number three, fastings. And that simply means missing meals because of work. Voluntary fasting. Not to diet. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. It's a good dieting technique if you're trying to lose weight. We're told it's a it's actually a a decent health measure if you do it right and, and don't overdo it, that it can actually be beneficial to the body. But Fastings just because of working so hard, you miss some meals because of your work. Do you know anything about that? Some of you do, but some of you don't. Some of you don't know what it means to miss a meal because you are so busily engaged in the work of the Lord that you forget to eat or you don't take time to eat. You fast because of your tireless and faithful service for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a self-imposed hardship. Now, if we're talking about fasting because you don't have food available, then that goes back up into the first category of general pressures under that word needs, troubles that create pressing needs. And one of those troubles is when, for whatever reason, food is not available to you and you're forced to fast because there's nothing to eat and that can happen too I'm confident that God is not going to let any of his children starve to death but I'm not promising that we won't ever have to miss a meal that that we won't ever have times so when we don't have as much to eat as we would like but in this last category self-imposed hardships we're talking about voluntarily missing meals simply because we are more focused upon serving Christ than we are upon enjoying our food. If that's never happened to you, then I would ask you, how serious are you about serving Christ? What kind of priority do you give to that? Because that is a common occurrence for those who are seriously committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me next week. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.